Hello and welcome to the Beyond Biotech podcast number 78. I'm Jim Cornell and this is the weekly La Biotech podcast. This week we're taking a look at a company that is making big strides in tackling Alzheimer's as well as cancer. And the company also hopes to take on other neurodegenerative diseases in the future through the use of enhanced natural killer cells. The company in question is based in the US, although it has origins in South Korea, and that company is NKGen Biotech. I recently had a conversation with the CEO, Paul Song, to chat about how the company's combating later stage Alzheimer's, and the first thing we need to do is get a little bit of background on the company itself. NKGen was launched about six years ago in the United States as a initially a subsidiary of a Korean-based company called NK Max. The company has its origins in Seoul, South Korea, and initially was launched as a company that had developed an in vitro diagnostic to measure basically patients' own immune competency, specifically how well one's natural killer cells were working. As we qualified a test that soon became approved by FDAs in Korea, Canada, China, and uh, also the United States FDA gave us approval as a lab-developed test, we started to correlate weak or deficient natural killer cells with various human diseases. And the next question we obviously were given was, now that you've been able to diagnose or at least correlate weak immune systems with various diseases, whether it be autoimmune diseases or cancer susceptibility, is there a therapy for that? And the next thing was to try to develop a natural killer cell therapy to really be the counterpoint to when you diagnose something. Unlike a lot of the cell therapy companies that initially just were launched to develop a treatment for cancer, whether it be CAR-T or even these CAR-NK companies, we really set out to develop a platform that could take anyone's weak or deficient natural killer cells, grow them into massive amounts, but make them inherently more powerful so that when we gave them back to patients, they could help to restore the immune integrity of one's body and also really be used across numerous disease, not just oncology. So that's how our company originally started. And we did, like a lot of the cell therapy companies, begin our initial trials in cancer, and those are still ongoing. But where we saw the greatest promise and clinical activity was actually in neurodegenerative diseases. And that's what we're very excited about. There's an awful lot of companies out there targeting Alzheimer's in various different ways. What makes it so challenging? Well, I think the challenge has been that the approaches have been very, very limited. And what I mean by that is you had some of the major universities in the world for many years tout this what we call amyloid hypothesis, that there's a protein in your body called amyloid, it accumulates in the brain, and that starts to sort of muck up the way the brain functions. And so for, I would say, really the last decade, the focus has been on trying to find ways to eliminate the protein. And you have certainly companies like Eli Lilly, Biogen and Esai that have developed antibodies that specifically target the amyloid protein. And in fact, they've been able to successfully reduce the levels of this protein buildup 
in the brain as uh, seen on imaging and also on spinal fluid analysis. But what was peculiar about those studies, and while they've been largely lauded as a breakthrough, is that they didn't have anyone show any cognitive improvement. What they did was they looked at the earliest stage, what we call mild cognitive impairment, and were only able to slow the progression of the decline rather than actually have anyone stop getting worse or actually get better. So the sort of hypothesis is expanded now to look beyond just amyloid proteins. And this is the challenge, right? Because billions of dollars have been deployed towards the treatment of Alzheimer's disease, and yet there's still not one treatment out there that actually has been shown to make people better. The best we can say is it's just slowed the decline. What we have found is that it's a much more complicated process than just protein accumulation. In fact, as these proteins accumulate in the brain, they elicit a robust downstream effect of inflammation and damage. What happens is the proteins, as they get into the brain, you have other immune cells in your body called T cells that in their attempt to try to remove the proteins, traffic up into the brain. And once they're in the brain, they try to remove the protein. But because they don't have the ability to really distinguish normal, healthy brain or nerves from actual proteins, what they end up doing is causing a lot of collateral damage. It's kind of like when my young kid is in a store and she touches something and knocks over everything else in much the same way. As these T cells go into the brain in their attempt to remove the protein, they end up causing a lot of collateral damage and inflammation. So if you just remove the protein, but leave the inflammation and damage behind, that's one of the reasons we believe that patients are not getting any better. Obviously, we'll get on to what you're doing in this space in a moment, but clearly you follow what is happening within the field. Are there any other approaches that you think are quite interesting and that might hold promise? What's really uh, interesting is that people are now looking at the other proteins that accumulate in the body. So what was really telling about the amyloid antibody data was that no matter how much they reduced the amyloid levels, that if patients had a high level of tau protein, patients didn't seem to show any improvement. So now you have some companies that are focused on removing the second protein called tau proteins, and then you have other companies that are now looking at removing the uh, neuroinflammation. And so you have a company that is looking at regulatory T-cells or Tregs and trying to stimulate them to try to come in and help reduce and cool off the brain. And that's a company called Koya out of Houston. And then you have companies that are looking at little aspects of that, whether it be removing the proteins or removing the inflammation. What we've really found is that natural killer cells, they've evolved in our bodies to perform numerous functions across numerous health pathways. And we found that when we can take somebody's natural killer cell that may be a little bit weak or deficient in terms of its activity or strength and really supercharge them and then produce large numbers of them and give them through an IV that they can cross through the vein into the brain to not only reduce those amyloid proteins that I mentioned, but we found that they could reduce the tau proteins as well as neuroinflammation and help clean up some of the cellular debris. So it's a much more holistic approach versus just trying to remove one part of a larger puzzle. 
Could you um, maybe go into a little bit more depth on your approach to tackling Alzheimer's? Yes. First and foremost, I wish I could say we were so smart that we knew natural killer cells would be a useful therapy for Alzheimer's. We sort of serendipitously stumbled across this. What happened was prior to the COVID pandemic, the founder of our company's father was sitting in a nursing home in Seoul, South Korea with advanced Alzheimer's disease. He had not spoken, he had not gotten out of bed in years by himself, and he was not able to feed himself. He was basically almost completely gone. And uh, at the time, our co-founder was worried that he was going to have a higher risk of developing a community-acquired infection. So we thought it would be safe for him to receive the cells to boost his immune system so he would not get an infection. And uh, after several treatments, the founder said to me, you're not going to believe this, but my father's now speaking to me and he is able to get out of a bed. He's able to watch TV and actually tell me what he's watching. Can you look into whether or not there's any role for natural killer cells for dementia or any type of cognitive impairment? So naturally, I scoured the literature, could not find one publication anywhere, talked to a few leading experts in Alzheimer's disease, and they said, no, they had not have heard of that. So we weren't sure if this was a one-off, a coincidence, and uh, we then were introduced to a second patient who was very advanced Alzheimer's patient, was in hospice, and there was a GoFundMe page for him, and he was only 38. He was diagnosed with a rare genetic mutation form of this where he had a mutation called PSEN1. When we met him, he, again, could not talk, walk, feed himself. He could not hold a pen. And we talked to the family. We said, we're not sure if this is going to work, but given lack of options, we'd like to make this available for him. They said, yes, we got consent and we started treating him. And after several doses, he again started to be able to walk, talk, feed himself. And we thought, wow, there's something very unusual about this. So then we wanted to try this on one more Alzheimer's patient, a more traditional lady who was in her late 60s, had not been able to remember her kids' names or her husband's name. She, again, was not able to walk by herself or feed herself. And after several doses, she too improved quite dramatically. So based on that, we felt like there was something there, but we just couldn't figure out at that time the full mechanism of action. So when I started to approach people about this, everyone thought, you're crazy. So I'm an oncologist by training, and a lot of people said, oh, you should just stay in your lane. This doesn't make sense. We had big uh, you know, investment banks and venture capitalists who all thought they liked our cancer approach, but they thought the neurology aside was nonsensical. So we faced a lot of skepticism, but because we had actually seen real human examples of patients getting better, we just couldn't ignore it. It was just too compelling to ignore. So to our credit, the founder said to me, look, just keep your head down, try to figure out the mechanism of action. So for the last probably four and a half years, really worked hard to come up with the mechanism of action. We actually did a full phase one trial where we did biomarker data, where we took lumbar puncture analysis and measured levels of protein in the cerebral spinal fluid pre-treatment, during treatment and after treatment. We also measured changes in inflammation, a lot of very comprehensive data that we collected. But more importantly, we showed that, again, a lot of these patients with more advanced disease actually either stopped getting worse or actually started to get better, which was unprecedented. So after scouring our data and really putting together what we felt was a coherent argument, we submitted all of that data to the US FDA and they approved us to move forward with a phase two trial. 
And we felt very confident in our mechanism of action and our rationale, uh, so much so that we could present that at a big Alzheimer's conference in October uh, just two months ago, which was very well received. And now we have major institutions asking to be part of our phase two trial. So we went from disbelief, skepticism to now, oh, this makes sense to doing this. So what we found is when you take patients natural killer cells, if I was to come to your home today, draw your blood, isolate your natural killer cell, and just look at how strong your natural killer cell is in terms of ability to kill cancer cells and other things, even being healthy, you would find that they're still not at optimal strength or killing potential. We have a process where we can take anyone's natural killer cells, whether or not we take them from somebody who's young and healthy or somebody who's had multiple courses of chemotherapy and whose immune system has been beaten up, we can take the natural killer cells and grow them in a way that's non-genetically modified, but we can turn them into billions of highly enhanced, highly aggressive cells where we dramatically increase the strength of the natural killer cell, the killing potential. And we also draw out a very important optimization of natural killer cells. So natural killer cells can police your body and through a slew of receptors, they can determine what's normal and should be left alone or what is diseased, whether it be a cancer cell, a virally infected cell, or even a protein. And through these receptors, it's almost like a blind person who uses his fingers to read Braille. A natural killer cell uses these receptors to determine whether or not this is normal or whether or not it's diseased. And once it's diseased, it can eliminate the cell, the cancer cell, the protein, or the renegade immune cell. And what we found is that our natural killer cells, the way they're enhanced and grown can help to digest the proteins that accumulate in the body, in the brain, in, in the case of Alzheimer's, but they can also identify those immune cells that are attacking your own body and start to eliminate them as well. So we find that we reduce the proteins, both amyloid proteins, tau proteins, and even alpha-synuclein proteins, as well as cool off the inflammation. And the most important part about this is that there's no side effects associated with this at all. The question that comes into my mind is that how do they work in treating Alzheimer's if somebody has cancer and Alzheimer's? Is it going to tackle both or are you able to direct it just towards one specific condition? Great question. So a cancer cell, while for the most part it can escape immune detection because it's evolved from a cell in your own body, there are going to be certain features or certain things that are expressed on the cell that are clearly different from a normal healthy cell. In much the same way that amyloid proteins, tau proteins, or even renegade immune cells, they're all different receptors that are expressed or uh, on their surfaces and natural killer cells because we, there's 40 plus receptors that it can use to distinguish that. It could actually go after both problems and not just for cancer and Alzheimer's disease. We actually had a cancer patient who had psoriasis, which is an autoimmune phenomena. And while the natural killer cells were trying to work towards the cancer, it also helped to resolve the patient's skin psoriasis. So that's sort of the beauty of these natural killer cells. The problem is we don't always have a lot of them. They only represent less than 5% of all of our white blood cells. And depending on how much stress or lack of sleep or unhealthy lifestyle changes we may have, our immune systems can wax and wane in terms of their strength, number of natural killer cells and such. So that's why I think giving patients you know, massive quantities of highly enhanced their own natural killer cells 
will help better address the underlying health problems. So yes, if somebody has both of the cancer and Alzheimer's, our natural killer cells could actually be used against both of those diseases at once. Have there been any side effects? Well, the thing is, we haven't seen any side effects at all. We've now dosed, between all of our cancer trials and our Alzheimer's trials, we've dosed over 150 patients. And some of these patients have gotten 30, 40 treatments without one side effect. How do you know how much to give? That's a great question. So we've done a dose escalation trial in our phase one, where we started at 1 billion cells per infusion, then went to 2 billion, then 4 billion, and didn't have any side effects. And at the 4 billion, we really started to see some very compelling results. But for our next trial, we actually are going to even a higher dose of 6 billion cells per dose. And we believe that's a very safe dose because we've actually dosed some cancer patients at that dose. But we believe that it's going to give even better responses in Alzheimer's disease than what we saw with our 4 billion cells. Obviously, you can't put any price on being healthy, but is it an expensive treatment? Uh, No, certainly that's our goal is we wanted to bring something to really try to help humanity. And I know a lot of people will always say that, but there are 55 million people, it's estimated worldwide, that have some form of dementia. Of that, 45 million are estimated to have either Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease. And we wanted to do something that wasn't going to just be a mild Band-Aid, right? Nor an expensive Band-Aid. We didn't want to do something that would bankrupt our society and our governments. So the goal is to really keep this cost down as low as possible. Right now, we can do the final treatments for less than $3,000. We expect that to become even lower once we can develop a fully automated solution. But our goal is we want to make this available to anyone regardless of ability to pay. And we want to also make sure that there are no side effects that are very expensive to take care of. Final thing is that if you look at the lost productivity to our society, right, the number of people that have had to quit their jobs to take care of their ailing parent or the number of families that have exhausted all their life savings to hire somebody or put their loved one in an assisted living facility, it's already having a huge economic toll on our society. So one of the patients that we've been treating prior to us treating her, she couldn't get out of a chair by herself. She couldn't walk upstairs, had to constantly be carried to go to the bathroom. She's now able to get up out of a chair by herself. She's able to walk upstairs. And her caregiver says it's been life-changing for her, especially her back, because she's had to try to pick up this patient, but also for the family, because it's just easier to care for someone like that. So we really are trying to do something that is going to have a really deep impact, not on only patients, but their families. In terms of the administration, how is that done and how often does that have to be done? Well, for our phase two trial, the FDA has asked us to treat for a full year, and it's a simple IV. There's no pretreatment. There's no other drugs that are given with that. It's uh, delivered every three weeks. So for our phase one trial, patients will get a total of 17 treatments. We expect to see real improvement early on. We don't think it's going to take the full 17 treatments to show improvement. But what we like with the prolonged sustained dosing is perhaps we can cause a much more permanent, durable improvement. It seems like it doesn't actually need to be administered in conjunction with any other drugs. It does not. Patients don't even need to take Tylenol because there's no side effects with this. A lot of companies are kind of looking to treat 
Alzheimer's when it's in its early stages so that they can have it not progress. You're going after more advanced cases. Why are you doing that and how can you succeed in that area where others haven't? Well, one, it's personal for me. My very best friend, best man at my wedding's mom has Alzheimer's and more advanced. And unfortunately, I think that most of the pharmaceutical industry, as you point out, has focused on early stage disease, partially because when you don't have a treatment that's really working too well, you want to try to do it in the earliest stages. Secondly, if you look at the more moderate advanced patients, that's basically the majority of the patients in the world who basically the medical community and the pharmaceutical community have given up on. They've spent, as I mentioned, billions of dollars to show that they've not been able to get anyone better. We just felt there was a, a tremendous unmet need. It was a lot of people out there who have no hope. And because we've actually seen patients with advanced disease actually start to show improvement on our therapy, we just felt we owed it to try to tackle the more challenging population. And certainly once, uh, if we can demonstrate consistently that we show real improvement or at least stop progression, then we can really move it upstream and use it in the earlier stages to even maybe even prevent patients from ever getting worse. But our feeling was we wanted to go after a population that basically everyone else has given up on. Absolutely. And and I know that it's going to be different on a case by case situation, but is the goal to try and cure this so that people with Alzheimer's don't have it or to turn the clock back a little bit or to manage symptoms? Another great question. So in the advanced population, I don't think we're going to be able to cure it. A lot of these patients are really advanced, right? So I've been clear to say, I don't think we are going to get patients back to their pre- disease. Uh, A lot of these patients can no longer speak. So I think it's not realistic to expect them to be able to go back and recite Shakespeare. But if they can at least speak to the point where they can readily communicate and articulate what they're feeling or what their needs are and be engaged, I think that will be uh, a huge, huge boost. For the earlier stage populations, I do think it's possible that we can prevent them from ever getting worse and actually get them better back to their baseline. And then for patients who maybe have the gene, who have a strong family history of this, maybe by giving them this treatment once or twice a year could be a, like an oil change preventative to prevent the proteins from accumulating as well as any neuroinflammation, that would be our goal. But I think the expectations really have to be catered and tapered to the population that we're focused on. The really, really advanced patients who haven't said a word in years, we have to set expectations. But if we can get them to the point where they're now able to speak, where they were not able to speak a few months ago or a few years ago, I think that will still be pretty dramatic. Absolutely. And you mentioned its mode of action earlier insofar as it basically can tackle a lot of different things. Are there other diseases and conditions that you're working on or potentially could work on? Great, great question. Yes. So Parkinson's disease, it's a different protein that accumulates in the brain called alpha-synuclein, but the inflammation and and damage is very similar. So uh, that's our next neurodegenerative disease that we plan to go after. Then the neuroinflammation is associated with patients who've had strokes, who've had traumatic brain injury. We believe that there could be some real opportunity to help people there. And then autism as well. There is a lot of publications that have correlated neuroinflammation, weak, deficient natural killer cells with autism. And so we think that that could be another 
area that we would be very interested in pursuing. And then on the oncology side, we are doing a lot of work in solid tumors. Most of the cell therapies that are out there have focused on leukemia, lymphoma, more the liquid tumors. But we think our treatment lends itself to be used in combination with other therapies in, in cancer. So we're pursuing multiple tracks, but the Alzheimer's focus is really important because, again, it's an unmet need, huge population of patients who are suffering and their families along with them. And that's what we really believe we can impact very quickly. Because you can't necessarily do everything all at once. Are you going to look into perhaps partnerships with other companies or out licensing to other companies so that they can tackle some of the things you can't get to? We are certainly open to work with anyone to help advance this treatment. Obviously, we're a small company. Given the millions of people who are afflicted with this, it would be really hard for us to do this by ourselves. So I think we would like to find an ideal partner that has the same overall philosophy. And certainly we're open to that. To be honest, right now, we've been primarily focused just on generating our data so that people really see, wow, there's something really unique and different about their approach and the results are really unprecedented. So we believe as we continue to do that, that potential partners, suitors will emerge and we can really look at that when those opportunities arise. You mentioned the trials and results that you presented in October. What stage are you at with the trials? So we just finished our phase one and we will be starting a phase one, two A. And just to point out, phase one is generally a safety trial. And um, as I mentioned in our first phase one, we only went to 4 billion cells. As part of the next trial, three patients will be enrolled at a 6 billion cell dose. And once we show that there's no side effects, then the FDA will allow us to go straight to the full phase two, which really is an efficacy trial. Now, it's a phase two trial, but it's randomized, meaning that one population will get placebo and then the other population will get our therapeutic because we really want to show a clear difference early on that patients who get our cells are going to have much different trajectory with their cognition than patients who don't get treatment. We know what the natural history of that is, is just a steady decline, but we believe our cell population is going to show something very different. So what's next for next steps for the company, I guess? For us, it's just to continue to execute. We are uh, still in the process of raising some additional funds to really be able to you know, maximize our clinical trials as well as just the other work that we're doing in development. We've enrolled our first patient in the phase 1-2A trial, but we've enrolled the patient, screened the patient, and so the trial is underway. And we're just really excited to be able to have some data to share with the world sometime 2024. Is it easy to find people for trials? For the more advanced disease, yes, because everyone has focused on mild cognitive impairment. So those are very competitive as far as trying to enroll patients. But for the more advanced patients, it's a much easier proposition. What's the kind of time scale for, obviously you can't be exact, but for getting this to patients around the world that need it? Our goal is to have some interim analysis of our trial in the second half of 2024. And then if we continue to see the results we're seeing right now, we're hoping to present that data at the US FDA and apply for accelerated approval in 2025 and hopefully get this into more and more people sometime before the end of 2025. Must be really rewarding to see some of these uh, excellent results. You probably just want to get it out there as quickly as you can. 
It really is. It's not as if when you cure something in a mouse and you're like, oh, let's go try it in humans. It's taking really advanced patients, again, who were in hospice, who the medical community said was nothing we can do, who showed improvement that really just really push you to move this forward as quickly as possible. Hopefully those results later this year are even more confirmation of the promise of the company's approach. Definitely something to watch for. Don't forget to check out the latest news and articles over at labiotech.eu and I hope wherever in the world you are, you have a great week ahead. Thanks for listening and I hope you'll join us next time for another Beyond Biotech. Beyond Biotech.